Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, on Tuesday, depending on which feed you listen to, uh, I had an interview which is primarily of interest to people down here in Florida like me, but I spoke with Andrew Sellen, who is currently playing Hercule Poirot in Ken Ludwig's adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express at the Maltz Jupiter Theater. Uh, I'm going to be seeing that on Thursday night. Very excited. Love, as I've talked about many times, anything Agatha Christie. I've never seen Ken Ludwig's adaptation of this, but I've seen many Ken Ludwig shows. So excited to see kind of the comedic, satiric spin on this. Uh, So if you want to check out that episode, it is in both the Patreon feed and the regular feed as of now. And of course, in there, you will have a link to where you can get tickets to see the show uh, at the Maltz Jupiter. All right, everybody, this is the news that we talked about. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, Grace, whenever they announced that Josh Groban and Anna Lee Ashford would be leaving Sweeney Todd on Broadway in January. We talked about the fact that there was this crazy, bonkers, never going to happen rumor that just really didn't make sense either from a casting perspective or a schedule perspective. It was never going to happen, but we talked about it anyway. But it happened. (laughs) Yesterday, it was announced that Tony winners Aaron Tveit and Sutton Foster would be taking over the leads in the Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, not on January 16th, the next performance after Groban and Ashford play their final roles. Instead, they will be doing a 12-week run beginning on February 9th. As we talked about Originally, Grace Sutton is doing Once Upon a Mattress at New York City Center Encores, so I'm imagining that that is the reason for the delay. I di- I, I honestly just don't know what to say about this. I I love them both. I'm a big fan of both Aaron and Sutton. I don't know that I see this casting. I'm sure that they will be very entertaining and very fun. It feels weird to me. I, I I don't know why. Am I am I off with this? Does this is it still feels a little strange? I know we talked about this originally, but I'm not there mentally yet. I think what I find so funny about this whole thing is that people are acting like someone just cast their niece and then like a a small dog. Like they're acting like these people are not (laughs) Broadway veterans. Like, can everyone calm down? Everyone's like, I hate it. I don't know. Not everyone. Um, But it's just so fascinating to me because I'm like, when did we turn on our own kind? <laughs> like when, when did we stop? You know, like, cause you know, we, we hear all these obvious like complaints around stunt casting. And then when we do cast people that have been long time, super duper box office, like Broadway names, people that are respected in our community, Tony winners, like they are some of our beloved and people are flipping the absolute shit out of this. And it's just fascinating because I'm just like, okay, so when do you win? Like what, what does everyone want? Like, I think that having people that have comedic chops like Sutton, people that have the kind of mystique that I think that Sweeney needs to have, Aaron does have, like, I'm trying to see a lot of the positives here because guess what? They're very well-known and very respected Broadway theatrical actors and actors of the screen as well. So I I feel like this is a win. I don't understand why people are 
flipping the hell out. And by the way, there are plenty of other people that have not had the vocal ranges that are typically associated with this show that have done it. So I, I don't know why this is the hill to the die sub-tweet. on. <laughs> the subtweet is amazing there, Grace. Um, but I'm a professional, Matt. I need friends. I'm not making enemies out here. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. Like I said, I love both of them. I I just don't I, like I think I said this originally. Sutton, I, I get like she fits in the Anna Lee vein of this. I to me, Aaron still reads as an Anthony, um, and and I think that's where the the weirdness of this mostly comes in with uh, for me. Uh, I think Sutton could probably pull this off uh, pretty easily. I don't know that she's exactly who I would have picked for this, but she does fit a little bit more in the Anna Lee vein than the Angela vein. But Aaron, I, I, we talked about this already, like he. I, I guess I'm just so used to him playing teenagers that yeah. I, it's going to take me a while, even though he is like age wise, probably how old Sweeney would have been like in real world Victorian London. Right. He's not how we would have played him, how we've ever really played him before. Uh, Josh, he's not that much younger than Josh Groban, but like before that, it was always like a man in his late fifties or eight, late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Um, which is so still th- suitable, which is still correct. Like I'm not saying. Yeah. Right. It's just, it, I think getting used to making that switch is, is where mm-hmm. to me it is, it is taking a while, but I'm interested. I'm very interested in seeing what the response is to them. I also am wondering in this 12 week limited run, yeah. if these two sell well, like they generally do on Broadway. Will that get extended? Like, is that the plan? Um, 12 weeks starting February 9th essentially takes them into early May. And then that is when we expect to see, you know, the, the tourism start to pick up again. Obviously this is a show heading into its second year on Broadway, which is always has to deal with new shows. But as you talked about last time, Grace, like Sutton is one of the most bankable Broadway stars. So if that does well, does that mean that we are going to see an extension through the summer? I would imagine that they would like to, assuming that their schedules allow. But yeah, interesting. It is very fun, the the response to it, though. That is definitely true. I'm just hoping that the, what we start is something that is like, if if they are able to, and if they actually, if they desire to extend, they may, that theater may have already made a deal to where there's a new show coming in. But, you know, if there is a desire to, to keep that show going, can this be a consistent 12-week in, 12-week out where they they couple two people? It's Titus and, you know, uh, Jenna Maroney. Jane. Like, it's, me, oh, yeah, Jane, yeah. Jane Krakowski, her legal name. Um, yeah. But I think that what if it becomes something? I don't know. But I think it's fun and I think it's cool and it keeps Sondheim with that giant orchestra on Broadway. So, mm-hmm. you know, you take what you can get. And like, again, I just want to reiterate an earlier point of like, I still believe that Sweeney Todd is is best served when it is an older gentleman of a baritone voice like i think that those parts are few and far between and this is one of those roles that people that are in that bracket can actually look forward to and when it goes to someone that isn't there it's challenging but i also know that everyone is trying their damnedest to keep their show open and i i understand and support when when initiatives are made like this and i will be sat for that opt up uh, opening ballad. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the opt up uh, uh, for Sweeney Todd's line are always fun. All right, so that is a show that is currently on Broadway, and as you said, hopefully going to continue its run. We had a an interesting uh, place that to get some Broadway news, and it was 
Watch what happens live on Bravo with Andy Cohen, where the stars of Gutenberg, the musical Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds sat down. And during the conversation, Andrew Reynolds was asked about the possibility of the Elton John, Jake Shears musical, Tammy Faye coming to Broadway. And he said that there was, quote, a big possibility that it's coming to Broadway, quote, very soon. Andrew, of course, was an Olivier nominee for doing it in London at the in the West End. And I will just say that I think the hint here, Grace, is that is a big possibility. And I think big might not only have to do with the chances of it happening, but also the theater that it might be going in, both in terms of seating size and how many floors up off of the street it actually is. So that's just my idea throwing it out there. Wow, Matt. Wow. I'm just saying, I mean, we've heard it. I mean, we've all heard it, right? Like we've heard what theater is going in. Uh, The timeline is what is interesting to me that he's because he said like it could be happening very soon. I when I first heard this rumor, I thought this could happen in six months or it could happen in two years because who knows when that theater up a few floors off of the street could potentially be available. So I don't know any details about that, about what the timetable is, but Andrew's talking about it on TV, so it must be happening sooner rather than later. Grayson, one other thing that, depending on when you were listening to this episode, you may or may not have gotten details on, but a certain social media account that is Heart of R&R B-Way posted a little bit of a teaser. We saw a similar teaser with Limpika last week and then had it come to fruition on Tuesday. This one is just a video that says it's hip to be square November 1st. And then the caption just says tomorrow and has a guitar that tomorrow is today, November 1st. So (laughs) as we have kind of talked about, Heart of Rock and Roll wants to come to Broadway, is planning on coming to Broadway, has had the casting notice already go out. We think we know what theater it's going to, as we've kind of been dancing around when we were discussing uh, the Broadway landscape. Uh, Square dancing around. Square dancing around? It's not going to the circle in the square, is it? No, that was a joke. It's hip to be square. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, that's a that's a different theater. I, th- I thought something else was going to circle in the square. Um <laughs> I think we might be able to ask Mufasa where this is going, Mm. but we will have to wait and see about that until the announcement is actually made. Look, it's happening tomorrow. Let me get my teases in, Grace. Don't moan at me for giving away hints. But as we've talked about before, Grace, you love you some Huey Lewis, as do I. And uh, this is a very exciting, uh, a very exciting potential announcement, if it is what we think it is. Amen. I do want to say that the sound on that little teaser video is the heart is still beating. The, it's, a, it's a heartbeat. So I'm just oh. saying something is still beating, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. And it's alive, too. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on. We got some reviews for a show that I saw very early in previews and I absolutely loved. Uh, I can get it for you wholesale over at the Classic Stage Company. Grace, hopefully you and I are going to get to see it together. Uh, later this fall, but this show has an unbelievable cast. It features Adam Chandler Barrett, Eddie Cooper, Santino Fontana, Adam Gruper, Greg Hildreth, 
Rebecca Naomi Jones, Judy Kuhn, Julia Lester, Sarah Steele, Joy Woods, and others. The show features a book by Jerome Weidman with revisions by his son, the great John Weidman. Music and lyrics by Harold Roman. It is directed by Trip Coleman. It has now been extended through December 17th. And I'm going to just read some of them. Of course, if you want to read all of them, you can do that in the show notes. Jesse Green of the New York Times said, quote, this revisal doesn't solve uh, those problems, thanks with the original book, and makes others worse. Harry's new narration, though smart, exacerbates the stylistic mishmash. At times, the schmaltz is so thick that we seem to be in Anatevka of Fiddler on the Roof, not New York City 30 years later. Coleman's staging is often hard to follow and impoverished when you most want opulence. The climactic fashion show at the end of Act One takes place off stage. I look, I don't know what the hell Jesse Green saw. It is not the show that I saw. Uh, that is a very strange review to me. Tim Tiemann of the Daily Beast said, quote, the staging of Harry's soapy multiplying betrayals is brisk and beautiful to watch. I Can Get It For You Wholesale is a generous show, too, with diversions such as a charming number, Have I Told You Lately, in which Harry's business partner, Meyer Bushkin, Adam Chandler Barat, and his wife, Blanche, Sarah Steele, sing a toe-tapping ditty of love and devotion to each other. Robert Hoffler of The Rap said, quote, When Barbara Streisand made her Broadway debut in 1962, her musical of choice, I Can Get It For You Wholesale, did not include the anti-Jewish slur, and then edits himself, but has it in there, being spit out at the top of the show. It is a masterstroke on the part of the book writer's son, John Weidman, to make that addition, plus a few other changes to the totally engaging new revival that opened Monday at the Classic Stage Company. Now, that is the show that I saw, um, not necessarily what some of uh, the other reviewers, especially Jesse Green, saw. I thought it was a totally engaging show. It's a show that, especially with this revisal, feels so much of the moment, whether it is anti-Semitism, union activism, um, corporate greed. It felt so electric to be seeing this thing that was written, you know, uh, 60 years ago now on stage and to feel so modern. So I thought it was a mesmerizing show. I thought it was fantastic. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing it again and again with that company. To me, I thought it was one of the shows of the season. So I, I, I'm sorry that it didn't get all of the reviews that it um, probably should have, in my opinion. But I'm glad that some of the people saw uh, the merit in, in a lot of the changes that were made for this production. And also, we got the announcements for the La Jolla Playhouse's season next year. It includes two world premiere musicals. Um, uh, and I'm going to hit those predominantly because last year, Grace, you and Ashley actually did an episode in which you talked about this show. At the time, it was called Johnny and June. It is now called The Ballad of Johnny and June. This, of oh. course, is a... Oh, do you remember that? Uh, talking about yeah, that at all? of course. This is a show that features a book by Robert Carey and Des McEnough. Des is, is directing, features music and lyrics by Johnny Cash, June Carter, and others. This will play in May and June of 2024. When that original announcement came out, I had heard a name for June that excited me because they are somebody that I um, uh, like and admire and, and know a little bit. I don't know if that is still happening, but I'd imagine with a May-June run that they will make some sort of announcements on casting relatively soon, like in the next couple months, um, but interested in in that one. 
The other original musical is called Three Summers of Lincoln. It features a book by Joe DiPietro, who he has some stuff that I like, some that that I'm not a huge fan of. But what interests me is that Joe co-wrote the lyrics for this show with Daniel J. Watts, who I think is one of the most exciting, not only performers, but writers working in theater right now. The music is by Crystal Monet Hall. It is being directed by Christopher Ashley, and it will happen in February and March of 2025. I'm going to read you this plot description here. Summer 1862. The bloody conflict that was supposed to only last 90 days has now been raging for more than a year. President Abraham Lincoln must find a way to end the Civil War. Enter powerful abolitionist Frederick Douglass. If he can meet Lincoln face to face, he can help the president cement a vision of the future that ends slavery along with the war, all while preserving the Union. Just three meetings took place between the two men, pivotal conversations between two fierce and equally brilliant leaders that shaped the course of history. Obviously, Daniel J. Watts has been in Hamilton, so he knows uh, a little bit about how historical musicals work. So very excited what this will be like. Um, we've got a little bit. We've got more than a year until we, we see what this show looks like. But that seems like a very disparate but interesting collection of creators to do a musical grace. Yeah, there's a lot of variation there, but I totally agree with you. I think it's a it's a really great arrangement. And I I I just want to co-sign Daniel J. Watts is that guy. Like he is that guy to be reckoned with. Like I think that he probably could do anything. Um, and I know that we've just only seen like kind of like the surface of what he can do um on stage and off. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I think he's he's very interesting. Obviously, I think a lot of people know him either from Hamilton or playing Ike in Tina the Tina Turner musical. But he was working on a, a new musical out of town called Lights Out, which was a Nat King Cole musical in which he played Sammy Davis Jr. Dulé Hill was playing Nat King Cole, which I, I believe my friend Jennifer McHugh saw out in California and loved as well. So I, I think he's excellent. He's also a, a phenomenal poet. So we'll see what happens with this. Real quick, wanted to uh, highlight a new reading of a dance musical called When We Touch. It is going to feature some people that I, I really enjoy. It's going to be happening on November 16th. It is by Reed Luplau. It is a historical dance narrative set in 1989 Berlin, one week before the fall of the Berlin Wall. The cast in the show will be Jacqueline B. Arnold, uh, Hannah Corno, Gabby Diaz, who is always one of my favorites from So You Think You Can Dance, Carly DiNardo, Colton Krauss, Olivia Puckett, Bobby Conte, and others. So if you want to read a little bit more about that, you can check that out in the show notes. All right, Grace, I have a few recommendations here. The leads of Merrily We Roll Along have been on their promotional tour. They did uh, the Colbert Show. They also did Kelly Clarkson. There was a fun like trivia game about Broadway stuff on that, so I will have a link to that in the show notes. But then we got two different videos from uh, the Tamron Hall Show, which is a daily syndicated talk show, and she had members of the company of The Wiz in to do performances. So we had... First, Deborah Cox singing Believe in Yourself, and then the cast also sang Ease On Down the Road. So very cool things. I love both of those songs. Um, if you want to check out a little bit of a preview of what this show looks and sounds like, you can do that in the show notes. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>